Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I am here with Chandler Benoit. Hey, hey. And also, uh, a guest who's been on a time or two, um, one of my favorite people in the church planting space. Also, one of my favorite people when it comes to leadership development, because um, just because of the way he does it. Uh, and it's Dave Ferguson, uh, if you hadn't already guessed that. And it, it Dave, from a bio perspective, is slightly complicated because he has church. He has New Thing Network. He somehow has entangled himself with Todd Wilson and Exponential for a number of years and still maintained his 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 sanity and his godliness. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, uh, it, and you probably know his brother, John, as well. Um, they've they've written books together. But uh, one of the, the big thing that I want to highlight from a book perspective is that book Exponential classic Oldie but a goodie. It's not that old, but it, it, it feels old. It's timeless. Uh, and then uh, there's Hero Maker more recently. Um, finding your way back to God. If uh, if you um, were on my Twitter uh, a couple years ago, then you were tweeted incessantly about that book for about five days because I read through it, tweeted through it. Um, that personally was a great book for me, even as a pastor and uh, as a somewhat mature believer, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just being challenged by some of the things in there, Dave. So just really appreciate you and your ministry and your uh, friendship and relationship over the years through new churches. And, um, um, you know, when Daniel was here and, and now that Daniel's gone, I'm still still maintaining that uh, relationship. Man, uh, thanks for so much for being on the podcast today. We can't wait to ask you uh, a few questions here. Hey, my uh, my pleasure, Todd. Good to be with both you guys. Well, Dave, what we're gonna we're gonna do here this is a little bit of a new theme for us. Uh, just in the midst of COVID nineteen being such a disruption in churches, we we want to kind of walk through five new questions that we're going to be going through with pastors. Hopefully all across the country with different backgrounds and different types of churches that they're leading at this time. So as we get started, you know, for listeners who, who know you, they'll, they'll know a little bit about your church and everything else that Todd just referenced. But can you just give a little bit of an overview uh, of your all's church, maybe some of the other organizations that Todd mentioned, but then also what are the current local regulations in regards to COVID-19 that you're trying to navigate right now? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, in the Chicago area. We have uh, 10 locations, uh, two are in the city, eight in the suburbs. Uh, and so it's a multi, multi-site situation there. Uh, currently, um, the governor, the governor Pritzker uh, put out some mandates that, uh, that he asked us to follow by. And then uh, I don't know how all the listeners are going to feel about this, but uh, some of our churches sued him. And so rather than countersuiting that kind of stuff, he just came back with guidelines and pretty much uh, the guidelines then are kind of, you can, we've been deemed an essential service. So you can kind of do what you want if you want, or you can follow the guidelines. Now the guidelines currently we're in phase four of a five phase plan and phase four uh, says you can have 25% of your auditorium or hundred people, whichever is the less of the two. Uh, and so that's kind of where we are right now. Um, 
Currently, uh, just this past weekend, Chicago, I think out of precaution, because things are starting to tick back up just a little bit, uh, shut down bars. And um, I think they're kind of looking at what's happening, uh, you know, in the South and Southwest and saying, okay, we've already been through the really rough patch once we don't want to go there again. So they're, they're being very cautious about that. Hmm. So, so what does your Sunday service look like and how has it changed, you know, week to week? I mean, obviously um, it's, it's changed because you can only have a hundred people or 25% or less, whichever is the less. So what does that Sunday service look like and how has it changed? <laughs> well, it's probably changed more dramatically than maybe you realize because we have not started meeting again. Hmm. Uh, so uh, it was that, uh, that second Sunday in March, uh, we shifted, I remember I made two videos that week. Uh, one that says, Hey, this is going to be a great week at community. We have 26 services, 10 locations. We'll see you there, blah, blah, blah. And I made a second video saying, Hey, everything's changed. We're taking everything online. And so, yeah, since the second, uh, second Sunday in March, we've had everything, all of our small groups, we shifted online, all of, cause of course our worship service to community online.tv. And so we've been doing nothing but digital, uh, since March. So, okay. Uh, a, a, a follow-up question to that sure. is how, how, like, how are you gathering people together or are they being gathered together digitally? I mean, what are you, are there any tools that you're using in particular that you would say, Hey, this has worked really well. Todd, it sounds like you're going like, Dave, what are you doing? Are you just taking like four months off? <laughs> no. um, if I'm going to be a smart, the tool that we're using is called the internet. I know. <laughs> it's but I just mean, it. you know, some people it's, are using it's a, it's a worldwide web. Uh, <laughs> no. So, I mean, actually that's kind of, and we can go there if you want. It's a, it's kind of fascinating because uh, we're watching everything very closely and our, um, if, if, and it's tough to compare attendance and engagement, but from every measure that we have, our engagement is significantly up. Um, our small group teams have done a brilliant job. We actually have significantly more people in small groups and uh, we call it the three C's of celebrate, connect and contribute. And I think last I checked, we have about four or 500 more people contributing and serving in some way than we did before. So, while on the one hand, I am anxious, might be too strong a word, but I, I want us to get back together and face-to-face -face kind of worship. Um, I'm also, I think there's some things that we are learning and it's a season that's ripe for innovation that I, I don't want to let that opportunity slip by either. So one of the things that I think um, is really interesting about the way that you guys uh, do church is that uh, the real connection between discipleship and development. And, uh, and when you go back and you look at exponential, the book, and by the way, I absolutely hated the intro because that was the intro that I wanted to use uh, with <laughs> Fibonacci, Fibonacci and the rabbits problem in particular. Um, explain the rabbit problem and why it connects to church so well in our 
our mandate, not just to make disciples, but make disciples who make disciples. And pretty much that's, that's what we have to do as a church. We have that purpose. So talk to, talk to me, explain the rabbit problem. Cause you'll do it way better than I would. Well, I mean, I, I, I doubt I can, but I'll, I can definitely give it a try. Uh, it's really was called the Fibonacci, the Fibonacci effect. And he was a mathematician from, oh my gosh, I don't know, 1100, 1200 BC, who basically said, Hey, want you to solve this math equation. And basically if you put two rabbits in a cage and then they multiply and then they multiply and they continue to multiply, you know, how many rabbits we eventually have. And of course, that's where you kind of get the term exponential. You, you get an exponential number. And we have intentionally applied that, uh, probably the smallest gathering number we have. And we highlight that a lot in exponential. And then later on, even in hero maker is in small groups. And so kind of how it applies for us at this season, I have told our team that if we can continue to make sure that people are in relationships, if they're in relationships, they're in community in smaller groups. And usually these groups are somewhere between eight to 16 folks and they are taking care of each other and God's spirit showing up there, whether it's on a zoom call or whether it's in, in, in their backyards face to face, if we can continue to do that, that is the most important gathering in the life of the church. And, and so far we've been able to do that. And, um, um, I think, I think that is the one, the one experience that transcends no matter what's going to happen in culture. And so that's what I keep telling our team, keep investing in leadership development, keep the best investing in reproducing and getting people in groups. And, and as long as that happens, we're going to be fine. And the mission is going to get advanced. So I, I'm, I went down that road because I know I, I, when you said small groups are growing, I know what that means. Okay. I know what that means to you and your church. Um, I don't think that that is, I don't think that most people have the same view of, of small groups. So that's why I wanted them to understand that because I mean, if, if you've listened to other episodes that Dave's been on, um, there's story after story after story of, a random person who shows up at a small group and about two years later, they plant, they plant a church and you're like, how does this happen? How do you scale this? Uh, and I do think it's because of the intentionality that you guys use from a group standpoint. And also, you know, leadership pipeline has been a hot topic. Um, you know, we, we both talk about that, but yep. the way that you guys do it, like, I don't know that somebody would, if you didn't understand pipeline, you wouldn't understand that's what is being done. But I'm like, this is straight. Noel Tichy, Ram Sharan, McKenzie. This Dude, is you're speaking my, you're speaking my love language. Woo! Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but you guys actually do it. And so as a result, not only has the church grown uh, and has multiple campuses, but your whole network has grown and it's a network of networks almost. So what well, I um, mean, and just to illustrate for your listeners who maybe not as familiar and, and this again, I want to be really clear. I feel like this is just a grace. This is God's kindness. So birthed out of community, which now we've got to be a fairly large church with multiple locations and reproducing groups was new thing and new thing now as they've kind of taken what we learned. This is what we talk, John and I actually talk about that. Everything we learned about, church planting and, and, and movement making, we learned by reproducing small groups. So we applied it then to church planting. And we now, there's now 181 networks globally and about 3000 churches, a little over 3000 churches that have made a commitment to be in reproducing churches through new thing. And 
that just can, and the guy and the guy who, and you know, Patrick, Patrick O'Connell, the guy who's our global director is a guy who actually came through that leadership path and became a Christ follower at community. And then I can tell you his whole story, which, um, is, is one of those kind of stories. We're, we're talking all around small groups. And our next question is, is what are you doing in each specific ministry? So I, I would love to dive a little bit into, and I know you even said, you know, if they're meeting over video conferencing and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but we'll kind of go, you know, just a few of the high level ones that maybe you, you all want to break down of, I think the, the, the buzzword right now is how you're pivoting, right? <laughs> how, what are you doing in, in each of these areas? So let's start with small groups. You, you're seeing them grow. And I know a lot of listeners would be like, well, how is that happening? We're still trying to do group signups, but nobody's wanting to sign up. Uh, people don't really want to be on a video conference for their first group. So how are you all seeing groups grow and how are you guys kind of moving that ministry in this new direction? Um, I, I mean, I don't need, I don't mean to be too obtuse, but that's not been our experience. Uh, now there are some people and even some people in my small group who are like, you know what? I don't think I can do a zoom call tonight, but overarching. Um, so like for example, okay, let's say we're, we're around 7,000 people in, in attendance. We were on weekend, but we, in March, we, we were able to get all of our groups in the month of March transitioned on to a mostly zoom platform. And I think we added another two or 300 people in those small groups in the process, which was a surprise. We were just trying to get everybody group, but we added two or 300 more. And then in June, well, usually in the summer, you kind of like, you know, people are on vacation. So it kind of levels off or even slumps. We added a couple hundred more people. And wow. the thing that we're, and we're, I mean, we're being pleasantly surprised by, it. and I think part of it is to be honest with you, we have a much smaller group of people who are focused on creating the online experience, the online large group experience, the worship experience. And we got a whole bunch of people that are focused just on, on, on group life. What, one of the most, have you heard, um, um, oh, what's, what's our guy's name? Alpha HTB. Help me out. The guy who founded Alpha, who's at Holy Trinity Brompton in London. Oh, uh, Nikki Gumbel? Yeah, Nikki. I did an interview. I should remember. I did an interview with Nikki. Have you heard him talk about this? No. Okay, so yeah, I did an interview with Nikki. And so basically, Alpha is small groups. But one of the cool things about it is they also, they always have a meal. So it creates this culture where um, it's just a safe place to ask all kinds of questions. Hmm. Well, he was anti, anti, anti bringing in this online. He told me that. And he said, of course, and when COVID struck, he said, we had to, we had to shift it. We had to shift it online. Cause he said, I just know we can't get online with the kind of thing that we get, you know, in person. What happened to his surprise was he actually at, at their, at, the, at, at HT, Holy Trinity Brompton in London, they ended up, it was more than double, almost triple the number of people signed up to be in these alpha groups post that. And here were a couple of his observations. This was a conversion for him of taking it online. He said, what we discovered was now, and this is obvious, we just don't think about it because we're stuck in a paradigm. People don't have to drive to church or drive to someone else's house. They just log in from home. They don't, they don't have to worry about getting childcare now because guess what? Their kids can do whatever they normally do at home. They don't have to go somewhere and drink somebody else's bad coffee. They make their own coffee and drink it out of their own favorite mug. And he said, it's, he said, what we found is it's actually easier. And then I won't go into all the details, but he actually went on to, and we're seeing like the Holy Spirit do things even on Zoom. And maybe for some of us too, maybe we have kind of predisposed going like, oh, this won't work. Um, But at this point, I guess I hear what you're saying. 
but I'm going to decide not to believe it. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine because I do think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, churches that are not necessarily they're They're doing the math um, before they really address the problem and saying, Oh, it's done or, Oh, this is, this is this way. So right now I just told Chandler yesterday, I messaged him. I have a holy discontent about children's ministries in particular right now, because instead of having vision, instead of having discipleship, instead of having some type of framework, instead of they're trading vision for a variety show. Oh, this is, let's just do a variety hour and zoom it. Um, right. Because well, it's like, me, Oh, well, everybody understands or I can't, you know, I, I can't do more than that. I'm like, no, like, man, there's never a more opportune time to be more intentional to be um, investing in new ideas and new things and just see if it works. Because if it doesn't work, you can stop doing it. Nobody's going to care if it does. Todd, work, you are, you are, then- you are so right. You're because I mean, anybody, I mean, that's halfway wired like us who has a, a an innovative idea. This is the time to try it because nobody's, nobody's going to blame you if it doesn't work because nothing's supposed to work right now. <laughs> Actually, speaking of speaking of kids, okay. So, like again, so our children's ministry, um, and we call it Kids City. Uh, our engagement numbers have not been what we see with adults and our both our large group and our small groups. So, one of the things we're 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 going after right now. In fact, we had a we had a call this morning at eight o'clock with a a buddy of mine had a connection with a guy who started an organization called Class Kick, and basically, this is a guy who was a teacher but very entrepreneurial went up to Silicon Valley, began, made, made some, made some dough out there, but really started pining for the days when he was in the classroom. And he started this org company called class kick, which is basically an online platform. It's, he's not a Christian that I know of, but it's basically an online platform that allows teachers and students to, to interact. And and it's the, the number of clever tools they have is just terrific. Well, we got introduced to him. And so we're starting to pilot, some online groups with our kids. Now, if this, and so far they've really been filling up and we just were in the beta phase, but if this works the way I think it does, then all of a sudden your kids, your kids ministry, your children's ministry online, it does not get contained just to a few hours on Sunday morning, simultaneously whenever we have a worship service. No, suddenly it becomes a platform organization if you know what I mean by that, wherever you have someone who wants to lead and facilitates kids' spiritual development and you have kids or, and or their parents that are interested, they can do this any place, any time. Hmm. And yeah. I think those kind of things are the kind of things right now, I mean, and, and to be honest with you, don't tell anybody I said this. <laughs> <laughs> On the podcast. <laughs> On the podcast. But part of me, the reason that I kind of, I'm dragging my feet to put, to put everybody back into a building where we're going to see 20% of our people show up. Right. Right. <laughs> is because I, I would, I, I feel like I got this five or six months maybe to go like, okay, what are all the things that could happen? Cause I do think on the other side of this thing, there's going to be a digital shift that we're all going to have to get used to. And we, and now is the time to experiment. Um, and I, 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 I just kind of want to make the most of it. What's, what's interesting to me is, you know, from a, a Lifeway perspective, what we've seen as well, you know, 
it pushed a 130 year old paper based, you know, organization forward and, you know, literally thousands upon thousands of churches now are doing their curriculum online through grid. We spun up a new instance of grid uh, in about 10 days. And so, so here's the thing, their traditional business model is to build a pipeline between, you know, producers and consumers and then push products and services through that pipeline. What I like about what you just talked about, what, what we're all finding out is, you know, the platform revolution is where consumers are also, involved and and you don't need a pipeline you just need to create a virtuous cycle of creating value for both producers and consumers and, and the platform is just kind of the the matchmaker and that's what that's what allows you to scale it infinitely right which is unbelievable i mean you know for as much talk as we do in the church about movement hello <laughs> <laughs> yep well dave i want to go back real quick you you made a comment when you're talking about small groups, you said we have a smaller group working on the Sunday morning service and a larger group working on group life. Yeah. Uh, so let me, let me ask two questions that what led to that decision and what are the fruits that you're seeing of that? And how is that playing out? Cause I think a lot of churches right now, uh, we were talking about this as a team. They, you know, like you said, back in March, it was scrambled to figure out for a lot of churches. It was like, Hey, we need to get online. And their Sunday service is online. Well, now they're trying to figure out what you just talked about. What is group life? What does kids ministry look like now? So can you just answer those two questions? What was, what was the reasoning behind that? And then kind of what have, what all have you seen from that decision? Yeah, well, I mean, and again, our context, so you have, it is a, probably a larger church than than many of your listeners and it has multiple locations. So because of that, if you think about 10 locations and 26 services, then you got a lot of people teaching because we do in-person teaching. You got a lot of people leading worship, right? Because you do that in person, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, over the course of a, <laughs> of a few days, you're like, hold it, we're going to do all this at one place that we're going to record online. And so all of a sudden, you know, your worship pastor, your community pastor at site four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten has less to do. Now, some people had more to do, but other people had less to do. And so we took, you know, some of our very best said, okay, we want you to focus on making this online experience for an online audience, the best it can possibly be. And that was a smaller group and they, they're doing a brilliant job. And we re basically, we, well, not basically, we actually did, we reorged the whole staff so you got about hundred people on our team. So we reorged it and we, we told everybody, okay, you don't really have a, a job description anymore. What you have is a mission and we're going to give you, and we actually, I can go into this if you want, I don't know if we have time for it, but we went from kind of what I call a blueprint for here's how you do church. You have to do it a certain way. Here's the community way. And now we have a playbook. Here's four different ways we could do it depending on which phase we're in, in the state of Illinois. So you have not a, job description, but you have four different hats you're going to be wearing depending on which play we're running. And so, uh, we put a whole bunch of them, uh, those folks under what we call connect and, uh, all of almost all of our, our community pastors are now focused on just getting people connected. Uh, some of our other small groups directors are focused on just getting people connected and training them and developing them. And so it's a, it's a much more robust team that is working on getting people in these reproducing small groups. So I'm going to move forward and uh, I'm going to ask two questions at once because I want to make sure that. Yeah, sorry, I'm rambling here. No, 
I, I, <laughs> I've took us off on more than one rant already. Um, okay. What are the I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important thing. When we have fun, people listen. Um, what are the biggest challenges you're facing and how are you overcoming some of those? Uh, I think the, the biggest challenge, I think in some ways that we're facing, um, I think it's also keeping an eye on the finances during this time. Um, pre COVID, uh, about 65% of our income came in online giving. Uh, right. now it's nine, now it's 95% by God's grace. That's good news. Um, we're, we're coming in at probably 87% of our budget, which is not great, but because our facilities aren't open and I'm not traveling, so there's no airline costs anywhere. Um, right. and other people aren't spending any money. Our costs are probably coming in at uh, more around 80% of our budget. So actually we're, we're in a better financial position than we started, but my hunch is, and I think a lot of people, uh, as we look at the third and fourth quarter of this year is I think we could be in for some really, really tough times. And so I'm really trying to keep an eye on the finance piece of that. And, and that's where it intersects with, okay, do we move back into buildings? Cause that's going to drive up costs, but could that also increase giving? And, you know, we're about making disciples, right? Multiplying disciples for sure. Right. But it's also, you have to keep the business part of this in mind. Cause if you run out of dollars, you don't get to play anymore. And so that's, I think that's, that's a unique challenge that I think all of us have to, uh, big or large church, we have to keep an eye on and how do we, how do we keep that going in the right direction? One of the interesting things that I think is going to happen, and I don't have anything to base this on other than a hunch. Um, but I think that toward the end of the year, we're going to see a vision arms race uh, out there because, you know, especially if people aren't there in person, uh, the person with the clearest and most compelling vision is the person who is going to get my donation and my end of year giving. Now that's not me. I'm speaking collectively as people out there. Um, I'm, uh, I was raised Baptist. So if I don't give 10% to my church, I, you know, it's, I feel like I'm going to go to hell. God um, bless you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it, 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 I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm too young to have that mindset, but I came from a very, very traditional background. So that, that that's where it is. Now the rest of it gets divvied up, however. Um, yeah. but I think in most people's mind, uh, it, church is just one slice of a big pie of donations that I give. And man, uh, a lot of churches at the same time, uh, when I look back at the different churches I've been a part of, you know, in one instance, 30%, over 30%, just over 30% of our giving came end of year. And so oh, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen end of year and we may be fine now, but we can't, we can't count on that. I mean, there's elections and everything else. I don't want to throw fear, undermining and doubt all over uh, giving or anything like that. I just think from a, you know, hey, I mentioned this on podcasts all the time. We're called to be pastors and we're called to be stewards. And we need yep. to make sure that we have both hats on uh, through this through this whole end of year thing. No, I, I, I think the caution is wise. I mean, uh, I mean, on Strength Finders, I am my two top ones are both positivity and futuristic. 
And so every part of me wants to go like, ah, oh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to, I mean, I, I, I have to even like discipline my brain to go like, okay, I'm going to plan for the worst, but I am still going to hope for the best. And I, I think if other leaders, especially, I mean, um, you know, the government's put a lot of money, put a lot of money into the economy, which I think has given us this feeling that it's pretty good. Yes. Uh, and if they don't, if they decide not to do that again, I think, I think very quickly we can work, we can feel it. And then when you get to the, well, you're right. When you get to, uh, you know, December, which it's the same in retail, right? It's in yeah. church. Most of your money shows up between Thanksgiving and December. If it doesn't show up, um, I don't want to be in a place where I'm going like, oh my gosh, I'm out of business. Right. Mm. Right, right. Good word. Well, you, you touched on this just a little bit ago, talking about how you you guys have re, realigned your staff a little bit. So how, how have you adapted existing, not just staff responsibilities, but maybe even also volunteer responsibilities to meet your current ministry needs? And if, if new roles have emerged, what are those roles and responsibilities? It sounds like you guys have centered around maybe those three C's or some, some sort of that. So if you no, want to unpack that for us. Yeah, you're, no, you're exactly right. We, and we didn't just move people around a little bit. We went through a reorg. And the reorg, basically, we took our 10 locations, which is kind of how it was organized. And we said, okay, now we have three silos that are the three C's, celebrate, connect, and contribute. The celebrate piece was like our community online connect pieces are groups, which are all digital primarily right now. And then there's a contribute piece, which really is about both giving and serving. And particularly as it relates to the serving piece, we, uh, uh, it was probably uh, early April. We went to all of our not-for-profit partners uh, in Chicago and Chicagoland area city and suburbs and asked them, got feedback from them said, okay, tell us what are, what are, what are the big needs that we have right now? And uh, as we surveyed them, they came back with 11 kind of different specific needs around like things like food insecurity and uh, e-learning, how to helping families with that, um, uh, loneliness even. There was about 11 of those things. And we formed then 11 brand new teams and we put it together. We called it Community Cares. And uh, we opened that up and we said, hey, we need people to volunteer for these. We made it possible for them to do it from home or even to do it at a safe distance, or in some cases where it was essential service, you could actually go as a whole family or as a group if you were allowed to and, and serve. Um, but we were able to actually form community cares. And that has been something. And some of those 11 teams now we don't need anymore. So we've gotten rid of, and then we've also added, I think three new ones, um, which are around kind of um, uh, unemployment and some of those kind of things to help people. Um, have you gone through, did, was there any kind of audit or any kind of thing that you, you did to basically identify people that, you know, may have been serving in existing roles that were either paused or, or stopped and, and redeployed those people? Um, certainly we did it with our staff. Um, I think probably what happened, I don't, I would, it would probably be too, too formal to call an audit, but I think what did happen is um, I think some of the people that got involved with those, those 11 teams and now those, those people that are serving with community cares, some of those people were probably people who were on our first impressions team who, you know, what turns out we're not, we don't have, nobody's showing up in spaces. So we have no one to greet or usher and that kind of stuff. So they said, Hey, I'm going to volunteer in this area. So I think some of those people just did it on their own. Cause we had a, 
uh, more than an audit, we just had a really big push said, Hey, this is a great opportunity for us to make a big difference in our communities. Here's the big needs. Um, you know, either sign up if you can meet right. a need or if you have the need, let us know so we can help. So anybody that launches campuses, new campuses, uh, knows that sometimes man, new leaders just show up out of nowhere and you're like, where have you been for that? You've come here for five years. Where have you been? Are there any stories like that that have that have come through this in your church where you'd say, oh, man, this is a great story of we didn't even know this person existed. And now in, in light of covid, they've come into a, a leadership spot. Um, I'm trying to think of some people in our community cares. There are some people who I wouldn't say came out of nowhere in our community cares, but like, uh, the person who's in charge of our food insecurity, we're collecting donations, not all our locations and distributing to local food banks. I would say that was a person who certainly hadn't reached their, their like leadership capacity who in this season, you're going like, Oh, I didn't know they had that in them. So they didn't really come out of nowhere, but I mean, they took it to a new level would be a a good example. And we've had other people like that too, which has been pretty cool. Well, Dave, I just want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, As always, it's been a a great conversation. Chandler, do you, do you have anything to follow up on? Yeah, Dave, I would love to, I know that we've focused a lot on, you know, your role in your church. I would love to hear, I mean, you're also navigating this from a conference perspective and and a movement of exponential. And I would just love to hear a little bit about what you all are planning. You know, it's, it's uncertainty. When can we gather people together? Not many people are probably able to travel right now to a conference, of course. So what are, what are some of the things you guys are looking at navigating there as well? Well, um, we are, kind of going all in. And I think it's a pretty, pretty gutsy move. And I'm, ex- ah, I'm kind of <laughs> maybe nervous, but really excited to see where this goes. So last March we met our, uh, our theme was together the great collaboration. And we have one theme every year. We drive it at our large conference in Orlando that all uh, nine regionals that we do throughout the fall. And um, as we realized that the regionals were not going to be able to happen in person. Um, we actually decided, okay, what if we did round tables, which fascinating. Um, we're now long, we've launched exponential in Europe. They were supposed to meet in Berlin in October with about 2000 leaders. They had to cancel that. And they had this idea of doing round tables and we're going like, well, why don't we do that in the States? So we're going to do these round tables. But I think the thing that's most interesting is that was about, about that time, was uh, the the killing of George Floyd. And we made the, Todd and I made the strategic decision saying, you know what, we need to keep the same idea about the great collaboration, about unity and how we need to come together. But what we want to do with these roundtables is have specific conversations around really candid talking around race and racism and how the, how we can bring unity in the church. And, um, I don't know how far you want me to go into it, but, uh, Todd and I both spent, okay, Todd and I, we, well, as two white guys, we're going like, okay, we have a platform, but we don't know. And we need to be smart enough to know. We don't know what we don't know, which is where a lot of us get ourselves in trouble. And we're trying not to get into that kind of trouble. So we sat down and we got great coaching from Albert Tate. We got great coaching from Leon's Crump. 
great help from Efren Smith, another guy named Myron Pierce. And we said, okay, we realize we have this platform. We think we could have something to offer, but we know we have not had the experience you have, and we don't know what you know. So tell us how we ought to do this. And, um, so we're going to do these roundtables in a hundred different cities across the United States. It'll be three sessions. And the first session will basically, instead of me doing the talking, it'll be me talking to Albert Tate. He'll be telling us part of his story. And then he's actually going to define the terms that we're going to, that we're going to talk about. And we're going to, going to go there and then we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to talk about whiteness. We're going to talk about what it means to uh, have, what systemic racism means. We're going to talk about implicit bias. And rather than having the white guy define for a predominantly white audience what those means, we're going to ask Albert to define those terms for us. Mm. We're going to put those up on the screen. We're going to get in round tables and facilitate conversations. Not everybody's going to agree with everything that happens. And even the way maybe to say Albert um, defines them. But, um, we do think that if we can get in the same room as brothers and sisters of Christ and have the conversation, I think it's going to create empathy. And I think empathy and listening and a learning posture, which we're going to listen for, I think can go a long ways to creating unity. And I think to Todd, Todd Wilson and I is both surprised where we started this year, talking about the great collaboration coming together as a church, fulfilling Jesus prayer of John 17. I, I think one of the things we're going to find out is that maybe this is what God had in mind. Hmm. Um, that, you know, before it could be every tongue, tribe, and nation, you have to ha involve every tongue, tribe, and nation. And that even if we go back to the early church, uh, part of the early church's problem was there was, there was prejudice in the church in Jerusalem that kept them from moving forward. And if we can get beyond this, um, and I hope that exponential could be just a small part in that, um, uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm, it's a, it's a risk and it does, I think, and I think it also still keeps multiplication at the forefront of what we're doing, because as one person I heard say this, it's a little awkward metaphor, but he said before there can, before reproducing can happen, uh, there has to be intimacy. <laughs> and, um, so I think there is, there's some coming together. There's some intimacy that needs to happen between, um, people from different backgrounds and different hues and colors. And if that can happen in the body of Christ, I think then this whole idea of reproducing and multiplying and movement making together can really take off. So I'm hoping God really blesses it. I'm hoping our exponential family responds positively to it, but either way, it's a call that Todd and I made and I'm excited about it. Oh, well, Albert Tate will absolutely be incredible. We had him at pipeline. I think, I think he was, he spoke near when John Piper spoke to tell you how wide variety of <laughs> leaders we have on stage when we do something. But man, he was, he was incredible because he is one of those pastors uh, that has the rare gift of taking something really serious, um, making you laugh, and then almost making you cry. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> It just because, you know, he, he is going to do an incredible job. Uh, and I want to make sure that, um, that I tune in for that one for sure. Yeah. I think Albert, he, he is a brilliantly gifted communicator. And I, I think I can say this too. <laughs> he knows how to talk to a predominantly white audience. He does. And I think, I think he will 
talk to and, and exponential. We have been intentionally more diverse, but if you still look at the crowd, it's still probably it's still the majority white, but he'll be able to talk to that crowd. And I think there's enough trust built there. He'll be able to tell us the hard truths that I hope, hope, hope that people will open their hearts to and listen because those have been his experiences and people just like him that we love their experiences. And uh, I hope we can grow together in this. Well, appreciate you guys putting that on and, and listening to your, you know, what God's calling you to. It is really cool to hear how <laughs> that was the conference theme, John 17, and then yeah. it led to this. So, man, just full circle right there. Really awesome. And Dave, we just appreciate you coming on and, and walking through what your all's church has, has been going through during the past four months. And just as you said, <laughs> you never would have imagined that that March day where you recorded one video that you'd be recording another one that would end up, you know, turning the course for four months and who knows how long. So exactly. appreciate you walking all through this with us. Hey, thank you very much. Love, love you guys. Awesome. Well, if you're listening and we thank you for tuning in and if you found this helpful, uh, we're going to be focusing on this with different pastors, like we said, from different areas of the country and hopefully being able to, to just help you and resource you and how you're navigating COVID-19 as well in your local context. So if you did find it helpful, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review, just letting, letting us know what you did find helpful so we can hopefully continue to ask good questions and help you along the way. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.